Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Tonight podcast. I'm Ben Kay and joining me in the pod booth this week is Brian O'Driscoll. I'm thinking, Brian, you've probably just about recovered from your hangover after Ireland's Grand Slam and Six Nations It was bad. It was bad. (laughs) After the Aviva Premiership took centre stage last weekend, it's the Champions Cup back this weekend with a bang. What an enticing set of quarterfinals this coming Easter weekend with Scarlets getting things kicked off on Friday night and Leinster hosting defending champion Saracens in that huge game in the Aviva on Sunday. We'll be looking ahead to this match and much more on the show. We'll also be hearing from Ireland's forwards coach Simon Easterby who joined us on Rugby Tonight. To go to Twickenham at the end and and play the way we did in such a a massive game. Uh, The players were exceptional throughout but that game in particular I think we saved the best performance to last and and it was uh, a credit to them the way they played. And getting the lowdown from Tyg Furlong ahead of the monster clash between Leinster and Saracens. They're coming to the Viva with a proven record of winning here. You've seen that against Munster. They know how to win big games. They're a European outfit that's had massive success. So, no, it's a massive challenge for us. To kick things off, uh, we'll have a look through the week's news. So, starting off, the Premiership, Ben. The introduction of relegation playoff every five years as opposed to annually. What it's, is your take on well, this? Well, this is one of those hot topics where... It causes uh, such a reaction because it's such an emotive subject. Um, now, the sad thing is, you, well, it's not a sad thing, but the what actually is the case is there are good arguments for both sides, mm. and it's going to be very difficult to weigh up which are the better arguments. Now, you know, to play devil's advocate, I'll, I'll say at the outset, I would prefer there to be relegation from the Premiership. Okay, but there are. You know, to, to to sort of counter the argument, there are a number of reasons why this is detrimental, not only to Premiership rugby, but also to um, the national team. And I also think, yeah, there there is a risk factor to to some of those clubs, and and London Welsh would be the prime example of a team that that perhaps had the ambition to be a Premiership rugby without the business plan to back it up. Now, what everyone. The, the immediate argument when, when anyone mentions ring fencing is what about Exeter? You know, mm. the best team in well, best team in England last year. They're the anomaly, right? Could, they are the anomaly, uh, anomaly. But I remember there were a lot of people who had reservations when London Welsh, when the decision was made whether London Welsh were going to be allowed to come up because of their, their ground and everything else. Tony Rowe 
the chairman, everyone said, what about Exeter? If you don't let London or Welsh up, what about Exeter? Tony Rowe came out of that stage and said, hang on, don't bring us into this. We've got a business plan that is put in place so that we can survive. We haven't just spent all our money over the last four years on players to get us into the premiership. We've spent it on infrastructure. And then the final piece of the jigsaw was getting the playing side right so that we could gradually move up. Now, in some respects, what they're talking about with ring fencing is doing that. I don't agree if if the rumours in Owen Slot's piece in the Times are true that it's a, a playoff game every five years and it's as clinical as that. That because you're still in the problem there. That you, how do you you know invest in in that and it comes down to one game. That, that that's ridiculous. The financial implications yeah. of a game but, of that magnitude are but, just but, are uh, unthinkable. That, I'll say it again. I would love there to be relegation from the Premiership because I think, as Michael Checker pointed out when he came on our show last week, it's the most exciting league, that that and the top 14, because there is a, there's never any dead rubber games because you might get relegated. There's relevance to the end. Exactly. That's the huge positive to it that, I, that we have to try and keep. Because if you, if you take if you take relegation out of the equation... You know, you can you can possibly see by February that you're not going to make yeah. the top yeah. top six, absolutely. and so you have to play out the rest of the season for another three months. I know. Absolutely, but and and your supporters have to go and watch that and see that level of. T- I understand it's people like will say it's <laughs> <laughs> people will say that it's um, you know you're professional athletes and you know you're doing it for your career and it shouldn't you know motivation shouldn't be a factor but human more, nature human nature fans. also I think it's more for the fans you yeah. don't have those games cuz yeah you, as a fan you have to turn up every week and watch your team knowing that it's just a basically a friendly game of rugby and and that's the that's the major major issue with it but equally i think i think promotion and relegation uh is a factor in teams overextending themselves and has been part of spiraling wage inflation in the premiership which i don't think the premiership can actually afford to with, with how big squads need to be cut to cover the increases of injuries that we'll get onto in a minute but so people want to take that risk because it's that important to stay in the premiership if you haven't got enough money someone like london welsh they go well. We've got to, you know, we need to, we need to stay up. So mm. we'll push ourselves and we'll hope it all goes well. But if it doesn't and you get relegated, mm. suddenly a, a team goes pop. So that's the problem. With, well, one of the problems with not having ring fencing is people take too big a gambles. That for me, for the health of, of the league. The other one is people won't take gambles on players, and you 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 find that um, clubs go out and look abroad rather than developing English talent, both as a coach and as a player, because they go, well, you know, my head's on the line here. I need to make sure that I've done my due diligence and this guy has experience of playing at this level. But also, you know, the the development of players, coaches you know, tend not to work on ten-year cycles. Certainly, yeah. the good, the good ones do. The ones that are confident in their own ability, yeah. they work on the le- the period of of contract that they're under. Yeah, be it two or three years. Absolutely. So they are given that opportunity with you the might... knowledge that they they might not last that whole contract. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's a quick fix, and it's, that is the it's, danger, it's the one that keeps you in your job. Yeah. So it depends on how comfortable you yeah. are in your environment to think. Do you know what? I'm going to be able to do the quick 
quick fix aspect, but I'm also able to to grow um, grassroots and grow the club um, at the area that it it needs for longevity and for uh, academies to be able to feed into that senior team in time. And maybe past you know my sell by date. You know when I move on and the legacy that I leave behind is that the the club is able to feed itself. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's harder to do. If there's a danger of relegation, though, I, I still think, you know, if you've got, I, I know people want to do that, but but I think it is about the worst thing that can happen to you is for you to get a club relegated. And so you're less likely to take a chance on, on a young kid. Uh, and, and we've seen it. We've seen it in, in premiership clubs and and with coaches you know you're less likely to put a number I, I think we'll we'll continue to see good young English coaches in assistant coach roles but I think it's increasingly getting harder and harder to see English coaches being given a shot at the the top dog the the director of rugby or the head coach it's interesting just reading Alan Slot today uh, um, his name uh, escapes him but the owner of, of London Irish was one of the ones that talked about ring fencing yeah um, the premiership and now has come back to potentially bite him on the backside but but if, if you think about it, across the Premiership clubs, the 12 Premiership clubs that are there, which of them don't feel any level of vulnerability? You look at a huge club like Northampton, who are languishing and 10th at the moment. You know They have a disaster season in that year, that fifth year, yeah. and all of a sudden they are playing for potentially their future. Absolutely. So the way it's been reported in this, certainly... I wouldn't be a fan of that just every five years there's there's just this the guillotine this one, games yeah, is what they're one, calling yeah, all, calling all my, yeah you get that wrong in sort of 100 minutes of rugby and and you got yeah that gone for five, that seems but I, I i wouldn't mind just making sure that there was a bit of stability to the teams that were coming up because we've seen far too many times that yo-yo bouncing we've seen it with uh worcester at times London Irish at the, at, the, at the moment, at Bristol, you know. So one of the other solutions is is to grow the Premiership, which in an ideal world, brilliant. Make it 14 teams. All the teams that can currently afford it can, can come in. But you've then got to get 12 other teams to go, yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take uh, less money to support these two teams. And I just can't see it happening. You also need a 58-week year. You know, you were talking well, you about c- more rugby. You could cut it down, couldn't you? You could go... Conferences, conferences yeah. as they have done in the in, in the in the Pro 14, uh, but again, you know, people. These are all things that get thrown out. Why don't they do this? But as soon as you go to conferences, you then get the friction of well, actually, how do you work out which conference each team's in, and does that mean that um, Bath never get to play Leicester in the regular season because? I'm pretty sure that both clubs would be annoyed at not having the the fan pace coming to watch those away mm. games. You know, there are Leicester get a big travelling support, and and there's a lot of teams that like to have Leicester at home every year because they know that their crowd are going to go up for that game. So, um, in itself, it it creates its own problems. You think you find a solution but it will all have a knock-on effect for something else. Yeah, there's no doubt there's going to be a lot more chat about this before anything it, is it, de- anything is definitive. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's pretty difficult to solve. And talking of which, there's another report <laughs> that's come out this week about the uh, Rugby Injury Action Plan from the RFU. Um, the RFU, I think, need commending on how seriously they've taken 
running an audit of injuries so that they can track various injuries over the last, which certainly was brought in um, as soon as I was in the England squad. So that's going back to 2001. So we have all this data for a long, long time now. Simon Kemp, former England doctor, has been running it. There's a big spike this year in head injuries. Mm. But, you know, again, has been reported that, oh my goodness, our game's getting so much more dangerous. Look at all the number of it's surely just down to the education of players because I'm convinced there are no more head injuries than there were. Maybe maybe a couple uh, or a, a slight increase. It's but the reporting of them it's now. It's reported. Yeah. So, you know, and, and as soon as we mention this, everyone, and, and it's a bit the same, as soon as they mention how they're going to treat, and, and again, I, I know that there have been times where medics have got things wrong on the field or coaches have got things wrong and they haven't, um, been strict enough on the head injury assessment protocol but as soon as it's publicly announced that this is an issue we're going to try and solve as soon as there's a slight mistake or, or something everyone just jumps in and actually what's trying to happen here is we make our game as safe as possible mm -hmm. every elite level rugby player just as every jockey um, every cyclist knows there's an element of danger. Every skier every, knows there's an element of danger to them participating in the game. It's about making it as safe as possible. And um, you know, there, there's talk. One of the things Simon Kemp has mentioned about dropping the the height of the tackle. I, I'm not sure whether that actually it, it goes back to. There's always a consequence to when you do something. Yeah. Does it make it any safer if I have to tackle you around the knees all the time? Yeah, it's it does um, for you. <laughs> Doesn't for me. Yeah, yeah. I think you look at certain players as you know when you talk about reducing the height of the tackle. The certain players spring to mind immediately. I've never seen Johnny Sexton making a low tackle in all mm. his days. He just doesn't. He he's always gone high, and that's that's there's always brought question marks as to whether he's encouraging you know, potential head clashes and so on. So do you? Yes. If if it was brought in, of course you have to learn a new skill. But it's easier said than done. Just you know modifying the game. Yeah. Um, and I, th I do think you saw Bundiaki, you know, one of the, one of the better defenders in that Ireland team, um, just got his position wrong. He went in nice and low against England a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. and was sparked out. So you're not going to be able to counteract, you I, know, bad positioning absolutely. or or a bit of I, bad technique. That's um, going to still happen. I think it's uh, well. I've got the the stats here. Concussion accounted for forty three percent of injuries to the tackler and nineteen percent to the ball carrier. So that there is a bit of a mismatch there. That it's more. The off tackler. the tackler's injuries that are down to, to um, concussion. What I would be really interested to see a report of, and it would be possible to do now because all the games have been videoed, they could go back and look at every single head injury assessment and they could say, because just with you know my feeling is actually I don't see many people getting knocked out by or, or, or having to go off for a head injury assessment by what we're deem as a traditional high tackle, you know, an, an upright ball carrier mm -hmm. getting hit around the, the head or, or chin. I can't see. It tends to me, uh, and again, it's just from the number of games I watch, when the ball carrier actually dips into the contact and you see people going low or as the defender when he catches his head on someone's knee mm -hmm. or, or gets his head in the wrong position. So I'd like to see a breakdown of actually is the dangerous play dipping into contact. 
Mm. And, and is there anything we can do about that now? Well, we we have seen as well, you know, World Rugby, in fairness to them, have, have brought in those those sanctions on high shots where yeah. it's immediate red card. Now, you know, we saw one with um, with Malouf during, uh, you know, last weekend. Cast iron which, red, yeah. You know, I, actually, I didn't see the game. I just saw it a few minutes ago. I saw him running off for a yellow card. I said, oh, I've heard, I've heard about this incident. I wonder what it looks like. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, was it Christian Wade that yeah. he threw? Yeah, he's yeah. still tasting his fillings. Well, it it's, is I initially mean, fair play to Christian Wade for jumping straight back up and and not milking it. Um, it's a clear red because the, you look in in cases like that for a mitigating factor. Like was Wade dipping? And Wade's exceptionally difficult to tackle if you go low on him because he can get his legs away from you very, very quickly. It's actually easier to he'll leave his body behind slightly. Mm. So that's mm. why people I think go slightly higher on him. But he doesn't even dip in, in the contact at all. So there's, there's no real excuse to Malouf. I think he's half thinking, because Wade throws the ball over the top of him, of jumping to try and intercept and then carrying on to the... T- I don't know what he's thinking, but mm. it's far too high. Yeah. So, it, yeah, as I was saying, fair play to, to World Rugby, trying to outlaw that, but it's... Um... But, but I think that's where we, as the rugby public, have to realise is that whatever we do to change something has a knock-on effect somewhere else yeah. and might cause another just as big problem down the line and that's why whatever we do has to be well researched and then tested more rooks you know if yeah. you, you talk about the, the tackle these days we're seeing considerably more I don't know the exact percentage but somewhere upwards of 10% more rook yeah. per game which brings in fatigue which has a potential well, knock-on effect in but the other thing in the premiership where they've reduced I think they've the, the referees have reduced how much you can compete at a rook we're now seeing more bodies on their field in on their feet in midfield, so the collisions, the collisions bigger. are bigger. Mm. So you you try and make the ruck safer, and and you can see what's going on, and then it just shifts somewhere else. The problem. I don't know what the numbers are like at training, but there still seems to be, you know, a considerable amount of concussions, which I find flabbergasting because I thought the level of contact at training had been massively reduced. Yeah. Certainly since in my last four or five seasons, it was all. Um, it, it was all imitation defence, yeah. and it was body body heights. I, I'm surprised to hear that teams are continuing with the amount of games they're playing and the intensity of games that they're still having collision sections throughout their week. Well, that that is one area that you can address <laughs> mm. because the NFL have done it. Obviously, they're hugely worried about the concussion problem. Uh, and let's let's be honest, the NFL is a totally different game to rugby. You know, part of the concussion risk there is the number of collisions they were having every single day. Not necessarily a, a concussion, but the sub-concussive blows because those linemen going against each yeah. other you know, hundreds of times a week is, is cumulative. a, a cumulative yeah. effect. Uh, so totally different game. So let's not say, well, the NFL have got this problem, so we're definitely going to have this problem. We might well, and we need to be a, a addressing it. But they have reduced the amount of contact that is allowed in sessions every week. There's a ban on it at certain times. And that is something that the rugby authorities could do and say, look, between these times, you cannot do any contact. Uh, And then everyone would just have to adapt. Mm. Now, that might have effect on people's you know, ability in contact because some players do need to work on their contact skills. Some players feel that they want to do it during the week, just you know, mm. they feel better off they've done a bit. Mm. Certainly stopping a mall, for example, you know, when, when we didn't do it at Leicester for a couple of weeks, you sort of felt you weren't quite as together as a team. Mm-hmm. But if everyone's on the same 
same set of rules that that you're not allowed to do contact then everyone's in the same boat and that could be a way very interesting and and you know it'll remain topical for for some time yet i think uh, in other news then we had the the final retirement people were a bit sketchy on whether it was legit or not or had it not happened already but adam jones confirming that he's going to hang up his boots at the end of the season what an incredible career he's had uh, wales uh, and and Lions uh, legend, what a what a brilliant guy! I suppose the best way for me to to describe is he was a terrific player. You know, from what I saw and in understanding the scrum and understanding a player that evolved through a, a period of the game where it was in a big evolutionary process, and he he evolved brilliantly mm. with it. But he was as as good a guy as as he was a player you know i had some, I had a lot of fun with him on lions tours in 2009 we used to share the back of the bus um to and from training so we had some pretty interesting conversations and he is a hell of a lot of fun well, he's one of those rare breeds isn't he that you if you ran into him on the field you feared him <laughs> you wouldn't believe but off the field you know a, a absolute gent uh, very funny very dry sense of humor brilliant uh, sporting knowledge yeah Absolutely brilliant sporting yeah. knowledge. Do not question him on any rugby. Big rugby loss cup. to the playing, but great that he's carrying on in, in a coaching capacity uh, full time with Harlequins now. And uh, yeah, if there's someone you want in your camp to bring on the youth, it's him. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there'll be a few ex English props who uh, whose Grand Slam ambitions and, and games against Wales have been lost solely down to him. Okay, so. That's a bit of the past. Big weekend coming up. Starts with the Anglo-Welsh on uh, Good Friday. It's a uh, 2.30 kickoff, 2 p.m. The coverage starts live on BT Sport 2. That's obviously a repeat of last weekend's premiership fixture between Bath and Exeter, this time played at Kingsham Stadium. And then, Brian, the thing that everyone gets excited about straight after the Six Nations finishes, we go into the European quarters and some huge games uh, starting off on Friday. With There's always Scarlet. a bit of a lull, isn't there? You know, the week after Six Nations, we're all a bit well, rugby Well, the for, for the Irish players, they all disappear on holiday. The <laughs> they English were all players in all had a they fairly decent a great game last week. They were uh, entitled to their break this time <laughs> round, in fairness. But, um, it, you know, it is the fact that we only have to wait a couple of weeks now before you get quarterfinal of Europe. So if the players switched off for a second, you yeah. know, you when you have that excitement of, particularly, you know, in Ireland where... The Leinster and Munster players, obviously, they went and won the Grand Slam. A lot of them for the first time. Um, you know, they had their their weeks break. They you know they weren't you know forced to go back and play domestically in the Pro 14, so they were given time away. Uh, but now they have the feast that is Europe again, yeah. and the opportunity. Both of them with home ties as well. Um, yeah, it's it's such a brilliant competition. It's well, it's hard not to get excited. It about is. It. We we start on uh, Friday at five thirty kickoff uh, on BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD. Uh, coverage starts at 4.45 with a game that I guess sort of the un uninitiated rugby folk might not have seen coming as one of the quarterfinals. Scarlet's obviously winning um, the uh, Pro 14 last year, uh, playing some brilliant rugby, but you know they haven't been in the European uh, knockout stages uh as much as they have been in their past. Obviously, they were in and around the turn of the century, just after the turn of the century. Um, turn of the century, is that right? Yeah, turn was, of the century. Turn yeah. of the century. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah. Um, in the noughties, we'll say that. Yeah, in the, the noughties. I like that. It's much better. Uh, and La Rochelle, which obviously never been a, a, a first massive... Year in the, first year in the Champions yeah, Cup. top 14 powerhouse, but 
God, they look good as well, don't they? So that that's a hugely exciting game. Yeah, do you know it's, what it is? It, it's it's brilliant because we're going to have one of those two teams. It's fresh blood. Yeah. I know Scarlets have been there before, but it, it does feel yeah. like an eternity ago that you know Stephen Jones and actually our, our guest in rugby tonight, Simon Easter, Easterby, played, yeah. uh, I believe, against a Leicester team. He did, team. yeah. He got knocked yeah. out on Lewis May, funnily enough, with oh, our no discussion. Way. Yeah, it does, didn't used to happen back then. <laughs> but no, he, he got uh, knocked out, I think, on Lewis Moody's hip bone. Okay. Yeah. Moody's yeah. was all right. <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I don't know, you know, you, you might be able to edge a guess as to how long ago that was. It's, it's, it's over a decade been, ago, though. Yeah, well, we played... I'll tell you when it was. It was 2008. Uh, was it that long ago? Yeah. 2007? Seven. 2007. 2007, yeah. And then obviously... Oh, it was we Munster. Play. They beat in the quarterfinal because that was right. a big, big... Yeah, it was one of the last games in the old Stratty Park. Yeah. Um, and Munster were champions coming to them. So they made sure... I do remember it well because they made sure that no Munster um, season ticket holders were able to get anything on the black market. Very sensible. Yeah, smart. <laughs> sensible. They're smart down Stratty yeah. Parkway. They are. Or a game Scarlet. That is the new... Uh, the new stadium, uh, well, newish, Parky Scarlets. Um, what, how do you see that one going? Um, you know, just looking at at Scarlets' form, do you see the, the the issue when you're when you're you know playing for the national team when you're with the best um, region in mm. in Wales, you're going to have the lion's share of players. So at, at times, I think the first game they might have had ten or eleven involved in the in the twenty three. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for your team to survive throughout you know, the the Six Nations period and keep the confidence up, keep their style up, it's not easy when you have no. that huge a personnel change. So they would have welcomed the opportunity to to play some players again last weekend. Um, they is that, they is, had that a, is that also a good thing that those top players that are away with Wales? Continue that momentum and and they're all on a high from getting in. You know, some of them into the international setup for the first time because I, I think it works both ways I think all the teams I think one of the reasons England haven't been quite as good is because that Saracen's spine weren't quite as bulletproof going into this they perhaps yeah. didn't have the confidence that they had and I think you're the teams that make up the biggest percentage of your national team they need to if they're on well. a high yeah. yeah then the national team gets a benefit out yeah yeah, so um, I, I, it's hard. It's difficult to see how Scarlet will let this opportunity pass them by. But La Rochelle, you know, went to the stoop early on in in round one and and put Harlequins to the sword. They've been very very good at home. Incredible home record. But Scarlet will back themselves. The 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 fifteen man game that they play. The you know the open free flowing style. I just fancy them to work La Rochelle. Uh, very hard, big, big pack in that La Rochelle team. You look at some of those front front rowers. You know, Priso who's been playing for France. Uh, they've got Antonio in the front row as well, who plays a bit of second row in his spare yeah. time. So you've got some big units, yeah, and they will, they will obviously. You know what the, what La Rochelle are going to do, but you know that that Scarlets play to their strength, and it's their ability for everyone to be a ball player. You've, and and they're also they also even if they go points down they're never going to be out of it because it only takes a couple of minutes to score a try and they've got the, the firepower to do it. Also, I, I'd be a lot more concerned for Scarlets if it was over in La Rochelle, mm. but Parker Scarlets with 900 extra seats going yeah. in, I believe. Yeah. They're biggest, basically biggest playing game they'll have. the whole of West Wales, aren't they, yeah. La Rochelle? So, yeah. yeah. 
I think it's mouthwatering, and to know that one of those will um, be in a, a semi-final in a few weeks' time, uh, I think adds a great freshness yeah. to the competition. Something that was needed. You were maybe in danger of seeing the same teams getting to knockout stages: the Saracens, Leinster's, the Claremonts. But it's great to see a, a bit of fresh blood in there. Absolutely. Last time Scarlets reached a Champions Cup semi-final, a certain Simon Easterby was captaining the side. He joined us in the studio this week and explained how big their upcoming game against La Rochelle is for the region. I guess um, the, the work that they've done in the last couple of years has been incredible and, and to, to win the, the Pro 12 last year as it was, um, was, was a reward for a lot of that. But I think now they see themselves uh, with this sort of team, the squad that can, can compete at the, the top end of the game, and, and uh, there's no doubt that they produce that, that sort of rugby in the group stages of Europe to go into the quarterfinals and, and go into this game against La Rochelle at home with, uh, with every confidence that they can get through to the semi final. I, I think home, home uh, quarterfinals is essential, and I, I think probably only um, one in four quarterfinals is won by an away team in history so I think it suggests that uh, you replaced Lawrence as Astato <laughs> <laughs> you gave me that earlier <laughs> no I just think that, that uh, the Scarlets with with like Ben and, and Brian said the form that they, they've taken the way they're playing um, against a good a good team in Larachau who have got some some really quality players I think uh, the Scarlets will be uh, will be favorites and rightly so And then uh, moving on to Saturday with a 3.15 uh, kickoff, uh, Munster against Toulon. Munster beat Scarlets in the Pro 14, but they've had a few injuries along the way. Any, any updates on that? Well, we definitely know that Keith Earls uh, is out. He uh, tore his knee ligaments. Um, he's going to be out for six or seven weeks if they do get through to the semi-final. I think he's going to miss that as well. You, you just feel as though... He's um, he's a huge player for them these days. He's obviously one of the senior players, but he, he gives a confidence to that back line. He, he gives huge X factor that maybe they've been missing for a couple of seasons now that he's in the form of his life. So I think when you when you lose you know your big performance like that, it definitely deals a, a little bit of a blow. But I, I've learned a lot. I learned a long time ago that at the, as soon as you write Monster yeah. off months are off particularly playing in Thoman exactly. Park you yeah. you know you'll be uh, made a laughing stock of and even Toulon they've showed pretty good form coming back in you look at the array of players the, even the centres to, to choose from you know you've got Nanu and Bastaro and Fekatoa and Radrada can yeah. all play in the centre particularly look, with how Bastaro seems to have come wow, back into he's form been, he has been so good you know captaining France yeah. for the first time um, and then Chris Ashton as well 21 yeah. tries in a season. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It is incredible. Uh, so, do you know what? I I still favour the home team just because I know how hard it is to win in Thoman. But Toulon as three-time champions. I don't think they're quite the Toulon that we saw a few seasons ago, but they're starting to get back to in, in that winning form and they will be a handful. Um, it's it, Again, it'll be a matter of you know what Munster pack turns up and yeah. what, what ball that they can uh, offer for their, their, their halfback uh, partnership of, of Keatley and, and Murray to control the game. Um, I think there, Chris Clutie is, is gone for the season, who's been very good for Munster at seven. He's been a real find yeah, for them. Absolutely. Um, so you know, they'll be looking to, to some of those key individuals. Blaindahl, another one gone. So Keatley now has the stability at, at 10, knowing that he is the 
man and Conor Murray has been in the form of, of his career so they'll really be looking to them to dictate play yeah and then there's the all uh, French uh, quarterfinal on Sunday at Claremont uh, Claire, all French affair Claremont against Racing 92 now usually you'd write this off as a guaranteed Claremont win playing in Europe at the Stade Marcel Michelin uh, but they haven't been having the best of the seasons in fact they're um, targeting Europe because pretty much are they out of the uh, out of the playoffs? They can't get into the playoffs for well, they for that? are in ninth position now. As far as go, yes, they've had a terrible injury run, haven't they're they? Down, and they're, they're, they're away from the pack positions. now. They're away yeah. from the pack. They they've got they got nilled at the weekend. Yeah, I think thrashed. an absolute cricket score put on them. Um, so yeah, realistically, this is their own their only opportunity it's 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 unprecedented and, and uncharted territory f- mm. you know for Claremont not to be in the mix come this uh, end of the season yeah. in the top 14 so to to be able to have only one competition to really focus on will that, will, will that be what they they've needed well we know don't we that Claremont have um, traditionally uh, always wanted to win Europe because they've got so so close but um you know, the French teams possibly put more stead in the top 14. So maybe an opportunity to beat Racing, who are still fighting on that front of the weekend. We'll see. But then our uh, big game on uh, Sunday is a 3.30 kickoff. BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD. We're on air from three. It's Leinster against Saracens. Uh, Saracens have to travel to Dublin, a tough place to go. Big crowd expected. I yeah, think. you would think close to close to sellout. You know, it's a 51 uh, thousand seater in I think the they Aviva. announced today it was up to forty-seven uh, so far, so you'd expect that to to close out. A few, I'm again. sure there'll be a few walk-ins, um, but yeah, it's. I think you know, you come to quarter-final stage, it's that balance. You always want fans always ask, oh, do you try and keep that real home advantage of staying in the RDS versus, yeah. you know, the financial side of you know doubling your audience at at least yeah. um, and having a, a oh, huge you, payday. You couldn't, you couldn't play. You that just game couldn't. Those days are yeah. past. Yeah. Where you you you're focusing. If you can't back it up in in the Aviva, you know you're you're not going to win this competition. So we have a quick uh, catch up with uh, Tig Furlong then, who uh, Craig Doyle caught up with and see how he's enjoying life after a historic Grand Slam and what they're doing in preparation for the visit of Saracens. Well, Tiger, bit of calm before a brand new Storm European Rugby this weekend. Saracens await in the Aviva Stadium. But before that, your reflections on an amazing Grand Slam. Yeah, it was special. I mean, you know, for a group of players to, you know, to achieve a Grand Slam is, is always, um, you know, I suppose, uh, a memory to cherish and hold on to. Um, my 10-year-old son said to me a couple of weeks ago, Dad, what, what does the tight head do? And I said, well, what he used to do was just lock a scrum and push and then eat a lot. <laughs> the game has changed so much as we saw, as you being the link man for CJ Standers' try against England. Uh, the game's evolving so much and, of course, you're in the thick of that. Yeah, I would say I still do eat a lot and push, <laughs> uh, but uh, look, I suppose it's, it's Joe. Joe uh, came up with the plan and, you know, it worked well. And Yeah, I think that's the way it's gone, though. The game is gone. You see, you know, Mako playing for Saracens at the weekend. Like, he's going to be the same. He plays a, a lot of link plays for them. He's a strong boy in the scrum. And obviously, you probably leave friendships and stuff like that at the door when you get onto the pitch. Uh, look, I'm looking forward to test myself again against arguably one of the best loose head props in the world. So your granny has been in the spotlight yeah. at the Grand Slam and uh, she finds watching the games pretty hard work. Um, what's it like uh, for her watching you in action? Yeah, granny Wex, my granny back in Wexford, she 
um, lights a, a lured candle beside the television and then every scrum she has the holy water at the ready and she's sort of pegging at the television just in case she's afraid I'll get hurt so luckily it's worked so far so I, ho I hope she keeps doing it. Um, Leinster is impressive of course what happens on the pitch but the brains behind it all really really impressive as well particularly when I go back to the Exeter game getting yourselves in a bit of a hole at the start who's the voice out there that goes lads this is what we have to do. Yeah, I think if you look at the squad, there's there's quite a few. I mean, you know, the skipper Easton Asiwa is an incredibly calm head. Obviously, Johnny drives us around the park, and you know, in the line out, Dev takes us. Scott Fardy's a big voice for us. You know, there's never one person taking the scruff of the neck, and there's never any sort of ties out of the pram. When you're under the pump, you try to find a solution as quick as you can and as calmly as you can. Saracens won on the weekend. Looks like they're back on track. What do you expect from them on Sunday? They're coming to the Viva with a proven record of winning here. You've seen that against Munster. They know how to win big games. They're a European outfit that's had massive success. So for us, after a disappointing, nearly very close year last year, but not quite there, no, it's a massive challenge for us. And I suppose um, a test to see where we are as a group. Um, your granny. So on Sunday, will she be throwing the holy water at you to hope you scrummage well, or at Mako putting a curse on a scrum technique? Well, she doesn't have BT Sport, so if you want to maybe we hook her up with that. a package, she, yeah. she'd be more than happy, we I'd need, say. We, yeah. need, we need to sort that out straight away. We need her on our side if she's throwing holy water around the place. <laughs> so Saracens have not had the season that we're used to them having. They had that run of six uh, losses on the bounce, but... They recovered, uh, did really well to recover, got their season back on track. Uh, a couple of disappointments during the Six Nations when players were away. They've still got injury problems, uh, though players just starting to come back. It'd be too early for Vunapola, uh, Billy Vunapola that is. Farrell's a doubt, uh, but there are a few players that are, are coming back into the mix. How much would losing Farrell cost them do you think? Well he's, he's been one of the best players in the year or in, in the world over the last 12 months European player of the year last season um, and I think he was one of the shining lights for England over the course of uh, of the Six Nations anything um, good that England did it seemed to come through him mm. um, so he is um, he's definitely um, a focal point for them even though Lazowski has is a very fine player and and come in I think the differential between Farrell to Lazowski isn't as vast as Vunapola to the next player, yeah. whoever it is. I still think uh, he's a sort of player that galvanises. Well, the that's team. exactly. It. It's not necessarily what you lose as him as a player, it's, it's but it's the, the name leadership. on the it's yeah. the name on the team sheet. Yeah. Players just just feel warmer inside when they see certain personnel down there, and that's where the fifty fifty call. I think it, you know a, a player that of similar ilk is probably a Sean O'Brien. Yeah. You just feel you're better off having them in your team, irrespective of form or conditioning. Exactly. So yeah, it would be. Uh, a big, uh, it would be a big blow for Saracen. I, I also wonder with Owen Farrell and knowing how tough he is, that if he's a doubt, it means he's definitely not going to be 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably still only at best going to be working off 80 or 85%, yeah. but that's better than most other Absolutely. players. Yeah, just having him in and around the environment. Um, really interesting subplot for, for a lot of English fans will be uh, Stuart Lancaster. Uh, back on the big stage again. Obviously, we all know of the fallout from Rugby World Cup 2015, but just talk us through how appreciative his coaching's been in, in Dublin. The lads love him. The lads love him. Um, except for Stu Day, Stu's Day, 
Um, their, their, se- their session on a Tuesday these days is meant to be absolutely appalling. Renamed Shoe Day, um, which is meant to be um, that, that concept of having it tougher than any game that you're going yeah. to be involved in. So they they are always badly in need of a Wednesday rest day right. off the back of it. Um, but they've they've you know only, I've only heard positive things about um, his coaching. Um, techniques and mentality, you know, both defensive and in attack. Initially, he came in in a defensive capacity, but he's evolved their attacking shape in unison with Leo Cullen. And let's not oh, make absolutely. any mistakes no, too no, no, here absolutely. that yeah. Stewart has come in and, and is dictating everything. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of Leinster's um, the brainchild of how they are playing has come also from Leo Cullen, and they work as a great partnership. I saw and a quote from Stewart actually saying the reason they work as such. A great partnership because they're identical personalities and neither of them have got an ego so he's been very quick to put forward how much work leo's done and it's not down to him yeah. despite everyone picking up on that big news story because he's, he's gone there yeah so um yeah he's been he's been a revelation and um i think he's do you know what he's delighted to be back in a coaching capacity i think that's what he missed when he was with england i think he yeah. was front and center well, and that, the I media was, work yeah. and you know the the behind the scenes um work that goes on with almost being a director of rugby type yeah. role you, you know exactly. he, he had to have a st- take a step away from actually putting his tracksuit on and being out on the pitch every day yeah uh, and that's it there's no shame in that you know you pe- people sort of talk about um uh, wayne smith it, he wouldn't necessarily make the greatest number one at an international you know someone like people are saying parachute him straight in to do Eddie Jones's job when but actually he's good as a number two mm. and the environment's much better with him on the field with the tracksuit on should we do some predictions then Brian um if we start with the Scarlet's uh, La Rochelle game yeah. I- I'm gonna go Scarlet yes as am I do you know what if you look at the history of the competition and knockout stages particularly quarterfinals the three out of four um have been home victories and um I sense it, it might still be the same again. I'm going to go with Scarlet as a home victory just because I know how tough a place it is to go and play and how confident they are there. So the new boys, La Rochelle, might have to wait for another season to get themselves a home quarterfinal to get into uh, an, an elusive no, semi-final or final. Okay, and then Munster Toulon, I know you're saying off-air that you think Munster will get thrashed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go for Munster. I think Toman Park is, is too big. Uh, a step for too long. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They, um, they just they, they have it in their blood, and they they love putting putting that jersey on. And I think for Europe, it's a different it's a different atmosphere, different existence down in Limerick for for those weekends. So um, yeah, I'm going to go at Munster too. And then Sunday's game, uh, the All French affair. Don't get many away wins, do you? in the knockout stages of, of Europe but do you think this might be one? I think so I think so just looking at form um, the pressure that, that, that Claremont are now under the scrutiny where their supporters you know are, it is somewhat um, unusual to them finding themselves not in um, knockout territory in top 14 and th- with that extra pressure I just wonder with their home record not being as as impenetrable as it was in pre in previous seasons can Racing come and create an upset I, I'm i going to go with them just because it's that 3-1 and one, uh, split of home versus away so Racing for the away victory Oh three. so you've already given away what your next one is Correct I have Did, you, did you think that I could possibly side with <laughs> Maro Toshi and Owen Farrell Yes <laughs> uh, I think 
I think I'm in agreement with you on that one. I think Leinster will win home advantage. The way they played um, against Exeter, um, you know, pro- has proven for me that they're probably favourites for the whole tournament. Uh, but uh, just glimpses last week of a few of those hurting England players coming back. Maro Atoji, obviously, with the, with the try and the little sleeping tired celebration. Very funny. Uh, that, you know, it's not going to be a, a walkover for Leinster and... Um, you know, it, it, nothing would surprise you about Saracens. No, it wouldn't. If if Saracens went and uh, and you know scraped a victory against Leinster, I think it'll be a tight game. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be overly shocked because of the caliber of Saracens. What I would say about them is that if you're going to get Saracens in the knockout stages, now is the time to get them. I think they will grow with confidence, and their um, their knockout intellect will um, get stronger and stronger come semi-final and final. So if you're going to pick them up, you know, congratulations, you finished top of the pools, number one seed, you're getting Saracens, the two-time champion. Best place to get them is in a quarter-final. Yeah. Okay, that's what's happening in the Champions Cup. Uh, also this weekend in the Challenge Cup, BT Sport at 8 p.m. on Friday, we've got Poe against Stade France. So that's BT Sport 2 from 8. Uh, and uh, we've also got Connacht uh, versus Gloucester on BT Sport 3 and 4K UHD from 12.30 on Saturday. Other games in that quarterfinals is Newcastle against Breve and Edinburgh against Cardiff Blues. But that's all we've got time for this week. Next week, Rugby Tonight is on the road and we'll be coming to you from Chippenham RFC where Tom Dunn will be joining us on the show. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the Rugby Tonight podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 